Welcome to season two of Take a Moment, episode one. I'm Nathan Bennett. I'm Mari Yamaguchi, season premiere episode, and today also happens to be Customer Experience customer Day. Customer Experience Day. What's Customer Experience Day, Mari? Yeah, so Customer Experience Day is to celebrate the companies, the brands, and most importantly, the people who are providing those exceptional experiences that you have. Think about all those great experiences that you had, or actually better yet, you think more about those worst experiences that you've had. Yeah, I but can to, think about a thousand terrible customer right. experiences that i But I've today, had. it's about the people who are doing the near impossible, but exceptionally well, of being able to provide you seamless, frictionless, most importantly, personalized experiences that make you remember and have a great day. Today, our guests are two incredible, brilliant men. One is Corey Bischoff, he is the Senior Vice President of Global Sales Operations at Genesis. And we also have Musa Hanhan, the Director of Customer Experience here at Genesis. And the conversation gets into what are the core tenets of fantastic customer experiences and how does sales begin that relationship with your customers? And then how does that relationship grow and foster? Yeah. We had a great conversation with both of them about not only is it about earning that trust and building that trust, but it's just as easy to lose that trust. And what can people do or what can companies do to really rebuild that? And that really starts at the front line, those people who are, you're interfacing with on the day to day. The person that you called when you had something terrible happen to whatever service you had and they're there to really help you and save the day for you. Yeah, and how does customer experience really impact your brand? We spend a lot of time thinking about advertisement and brand awareness, but how much time do companies actually put into time, money, and effort into empowering their frontline employees to provide exceptional customer experiences? And it was really awesome because both of these gentlemen have a long history Maybe they may not have started in this ex customer experience space, but they both have this unique background of having that technical knowledge. And then they also were able to turn that around to s and see the evolution of technology to say, you know what, it's now just table stakes to have the coolest widget around. And what is it that companies can do to really differentiate themselves and get more of that market share? Right, and co uh, companies that really raise or continue to keep raising that bar, those are the ones that stand out. Well, we had a really awesome, insightful conversation, and I hope you take a moment and listen with us. Well, we are here today with Corey Bischoff and Musa Hanhan. Uh, we thank you both for being here. We'll just go ahead and start off with you, Corey, if you can let us know what you do and a little bit of your background and what led you here to Genesis and to technology. Yeah, well, thanks for having me today. And uh, again, my name's Corey Bischoff. I'm the Senior Vice President for Global Sales Operations for Genesis. And I've been with the company for 13 years. Uh, when I started with uh, the company, I actually started as a role individual contributor as a solution consultant. And I've always had a strong passion for technology. Uh, went to Purdue University, computer engineering, uh, spent some time with IBM um, and, and working with them early on in my career and found my way to uh, what was interactive at the time that became Genesis at the merger uh, you know, about 10 years later. Uh, but worked my way up through solution consulting and really always had a strong passion for sales. 
understanding what businesses were, you know, kind of trying to achieve, uh, in, implement performance uh, improvement, and really drive better customer service with communications. And just had that technical kind of wingman role with uh, sales reps for a number of years. And then as the company grew and had a lot of uh, success and, and um, you know, growing in size, needed to start implementing better operations to support the sales, uh, customer service, and ultimately the folks that are uh, supporting our customers. So I've been spending the last five or six years in the operations uh, area of the, of the business. Corey, for those listeners out there who may not be as familiar with Genesis as we are in the room, uh, give us a sense of what Genesis does. Yeah, so Genesis is a global technology provider that provides business solutions to uh, companies, organizations uh, with technology to better service their customers, uh, whether that be the phone calls coming into the business uh, to take on you know, inquiries, support, uh, services, transactions, sales, and route those very efficiently to the right people. Uh, with the right skill set to service those customers, and also outbound communications uh, to reach out to businesses uh, so that they can you know, inform them of certain you know, things about the relationship that those consumers may have with those uh, organizations. So at a high level, they deliver you know, uh, very advanced business communication solutions and orchestration. So it's about facilitating the conversations between businesses and their customers. Exactly. And providing the best tools for businesses to be able to seamlessly have those moments of connection with their customers and maintain that relationship. I exactly. That's, um, uh, that's one of the things that I love about Genesis because it is about providing the best paths of communication between businesses and those uh, folks that they serve. Musa, welcome. We're so happy to have you here. Tell us uh, your very important title and kind of how you got to Genesis. Well, thank you for the invitations. Well, I, again, Musa Hanhan. I'm uh, responsible for the global MPS and CX design. Uh, I've been with Genesis for 22 and a half years. Wow. wow. So in the technology world, I am a legacy. You're a legacy. <laughs> He's almost lapped me. However, <laughs> I do like to, as you know, technology keep changing. So I am on the speed of change. I've been with Genesis as started as a technical person and um, moved my way up. I did spend uh, four years in product and in, in, in before product uh, professional services, so I am the guy who used to go and uh, do the things happening, and then after that I moved to product and strategy and introduced a set of new products like the workspace in two thousand eight or nine. Now this is one of the things that you're gonna ask why I um, I am where I am doing right now. Uh, I was in a product. I introduced a product. And this is where um, I got passionate about understanding the users. As a techno technology company in the late 90s and early 2000, we're thinking more focus on the technology. So our focus was how to address the IT problem, and we did. But we did not address the user problem, meaning how the using the product and the efficiency of the, the application, uh, the it. user experience. And that got me into understanding that. And I got into it uh, more in depth uh, to the level where I um, introduced the user experience at Genesis. And then after that, I saw it's like, this is not looking at it broad. It's not just about application experience, which is the user experience. It's, there's a bigger out there, which is called the customer experience. And that's how it got me into that. And I created the CX uh, internal practice at Genesis. 
we are always really, really interested about the origins of people and how they got to where they are now, wherever they are. So my question to both of you is, when you guys were kids, what did you want to be when you grew up? What did you think, this is the thing that I'm going for? And then at what point did that, might, did that diverge or change um, to bring you here? Or did you always just want to be like, you know what? I'm going to be a technologist. Technology is where <laughs> it's at. And if it could be the customer contact te technology, that's what I want to do. I was. I remember that question I got when I was in ninth grade, and uh, always I love chemistry and physics, so I was planning to be a science. You wanted to be a scientist. You were going to be a chemist. Yeah, but I didn't. Yeah, now I am here. <laughs> and when did that? When did that path diverge to bring you after high school? Here after high school. Yeah, when I kind of like moved to be in accounting. Actually, I did have my degree in accounting. Really? Oh, yeah. And this is where uh, in 93, 94, where I did work one year in accounting. I did not like it. I was supposed to have my CPA. <laughs> I did not go. I just moved and I applied for my master for information technology. And that's what I got into, technology. So you got a degree in accounting, yes. did it for one year, and we're like, nope. No, it's not for me. That's not for me. And by the way, I did go to private school, so I got a lot of debt around there, but I did change that. <laughs> That's the best, isn't it? As someone who's been to private school all their life, I feel you, my friend. Corey, what about you? What did you want to be when you were growing up? Yeah, I mean, growing up, uh, I was always really inspired and intrigued by uh, designing and architecting things. And as uh, you know, went through high school uh, and actually attended Ball State for two years uh, in their architecture program school to, to be an architect. So this was, uh, you know, kind of the mid '90s, and it was right before the information uh, revolution, Internet of Things, all that thing started to, you know, kick off. And it was uh, probably my sophomore year in college, still focusing on being an architect and going through the CAD drawings and all the typical stuff. And I did an internship with a uh, summer manufacturing company, uh, just odd end job to help pay, you know, getting through school. And they were implementing a new technology program to help uh, plan their supply chain and whatnot. And I ended up starting to get involved with that project and writing some programming. And it was at that point, I call it the lightning bolt strike because it completely turned my you know, course in life of what I was passionate about uh, to then realize that I need to be going to a different school to study computer science and uh, change to Purdue where I finished up there and then you know, continue my technology career uh, with IBM, and it ultimately brought me to Genesis. Uh, but there were many other lightning bolt strikes uh, in that journey. But the first one is what pivoted me from what I thought I was going to be when I grew up to, you know, maybe a different type of architect, you know, more on software side of the house. Last year, in your current role, you are still architecting. You're architecting. Yeah, that yeah you can look at it right? like that. Yeah. In fact, we do use uh, architects in kind of titles and roles uh, now, enterprise architect, yep. you know. Both of you have a long career in technology. Both of you started actually in the actual technical side. What excites you? What keeps you still excited? Yeah. Yeah, maybe I'll jump in first, Musa. Um, you know, just in my course of career and what I studied at uh, Purdue and then ultimately in my early work uh, profession for IBM, you know, I think everybody gets this right. It was always on-premise software, infrastructure, you know, big mainframes, uh, lots of resources, and it, it was really expensive and large projects and engagement. Uh, so the first thing of, you know, internet coming through and changing uh, efficiencies and applications, as well as the cloud and being able to deliver these large enterprise, uh, whether it be an ERP, a CRM system, whatever these core uh, business systems are, being able to deliver that via the cloud, 
uh, was just really amazing to see uh, the value and changing a little bit to what you said, Musa, earlier about it being more IT-led uh, driven pro projects that I was engaged with to be more driven by the business. Uh, so uh, CEOs and uh, you know ch chief finance officers coming in and driving engagements with uh, companies uh, like IBM that I worked for a while, and then ultimately Genesis in my early part of my career here, uh, and really understanding the different conversations that you need to have with those types of personas, business uh, oriented and driving value and business outcomes to, to achieve their goals versus the infrastructure and how it's going to work and how, how we're going to support it. Uh, so that's been exciting. And probably the last piece I'll mention is just now in this era of data, uh, data driving everything, data insights, and now artificial intelligence really being a component to help augment the business, business processes, and inform management on you know, how they need to be thinking about their business trends and really kind of get ahead of it to deliver better product, better service uh, to their end customers. So yeah, in summary, that's kind of the, the error that I've seen that's got me really excited about what's next. That's great. Moose, well, the same I, question? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to add because I'm you know, part of that. But, but technology, I'm looking at more on the, we are, we are on a level where we're going to see even more I don't know if we're going to call it technology or something else, but definitely, you know, Corey was mentioning about the data, the AI, the machine learning. The, these these are just beginning. And I think one of the things that get us excited, especially for me, getting exciting every day I wake up, it's like there's a lot of opportunities. There are things that we can do. And, and the goal is to make life better for the human being. I mean, that's the goal that I wake up every morning, how to make people happy, how to make their life easier. And there's a lot, and I've seen the evolution. I remember when the first time, you know, the internet where it was even agent text only, there's no www. <laughs> um, uh, if people remember uh, Gopher, that was one of them. Oh yeah, that's pre me. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's so we used to work on that. <laughs> yeah, internet talk. I know, but look at where we are right now, and uh, look at it, um, how evolved, and definitely with the all the technology that's coming in, um, th th we will see more and more of that and integrate it in our life, uh, integrate it in our the way we do things, and um, it's gonna be evolving. Um, this is something that I, I it just it keeps me exciting about it, what we do. Uh, the, the, the options are limitless in terms of how things are going to be working, how to enhance, especially in our space as well. We, we're going to see more of between whatever terminology today, the buzzword around AI and data and machine learning and um, augmenting reality, how these going to come in and produce and design experiences probably haven't seen yet. It's pretty exciting. Yeah. And uh, that one thing I'll just add, Moose, is that uh, kind of with the last point you said is that we're finding out our customers are actually coming up with, you know, different ways to use our technology different than we even thought. Right. And that's the part that is, I find most rewarding because it's just a continuous learning. Right. They're, they're learning our technology capabilities, applying it to real business problems and in solving those, uh, getting efficiencies. And then it teaches us back of what companies out there need more of. I, I, I have a, a question about customer experience, though because it's customer experience day. And as we have the director of customer experience and uh, senior vice president of sales operations, global sales operations, how does sales inform the customer experience and vice versa? Where does customer experience start? And then how does it 
continue and evolve um, when there's a relationship between a business and their customer? Yeah, I mean, from a sales side, uh, you know, just thinking through kind of how a sales uh, account executive shows up every day with the customers that they uh, are responsible for taking care of, as well as new customers that they're hoping to uh, win the business relationship and uh, bring them on with Genesis. You know, they have to, it starts with um, really earning trust and winning that relationship, right? It, it comes with effort. Um, and, you know, we talk with our sales reps. Um, it's not something that we necessarily think that you have to train to, to get good at uh, delivering customer experience. You have to build your own culture and your approach to it. Um, so really understanding uh, what businesses uh, are going through, what they're trying to achieve, uh, put yourself in the, in the customer's organization and uh, understand their problems and what their goals are. And then working with, so it's really at the end of the day about being a part of solving what those challenges or maybe it's just growth goals that they're trying to achieve uh, to have success. Uh, being a part of orchestrating that, coming up with, again, architecting a plan and implementing something that's going to help them achieve it, uh, as well as each interaction that they have with the you know, Genesis, that needs to be a very positive and impressionable you know, um, brand of uh, outcome that we're delivering in every moment, every transaction, because then to me, we're building a brand and loyalty with that customer that wants to continue to keep doing their business with because of what they're receiving and, and it's positive. So that's the way we try to get our sales team to think about it and really help architect what that solution is that Genesis can help them solve and just keep earning it every day versus, you know, just making a sale and, and getting a, a large uh, check to, uh, you know, hit their goals. Right. So it's that's solving that problem. It really is. Out yeah. What their uh, obstacles are. And staying with them, of, right? Yeah. And guiding them through their entire lifetime with right. us, right? And, and that's the shift between the model, the old traditional business model, and uh, the new model. The customer experience is a common sense. It's a mindset. So by having that, like, you know, the sales, they go, they are not just selling, they are solving problems. We are, we are here. It's not just the sales. It's the whole way of doing business at Genesis is we are there to solve our customers' problems and our customers' customers as well. We tend to, and research has shown that 90 plus percent of the times, we tend to remember those horrible, yep. worst experiences. And we right? share those. And we share those yeah. willingly and oh, freely, yeah. right? Tell us what makes a good experience. Whatever the provider might be for you, what are like three tenants or five values for you that would make a great, a great customer experience. experience? You know, when it, it, what, the good experience, you don't feel it because it just comes naturally and seamlessly. And the first thing is right, the way people present, the people provide the service. And those are things that are important because they, and that there are people good than others in terms of providing services. But it, it just that one thing that is very important to understand, the more the person have the knowledge of the way and different way of delivering the services, that experience, that's the end, kind of like the front line. But of course, to support that, you have all behind the scene, the complexity, the processes, the applications, the training, the support model, the operation model that allow to support that. And those are the experience that you feel about. It. And those are the hard to design because you are looking at different options, different way of things, understanding the behavior, understanding where in this moment of the people, if they are happy or they are angry or they are sad, you 
start designing based on these elements that allow to comes like the person who's delivering that just the way it is. Yeah. And people are providing the smile versus the, you know, the comfort talk, all of that. Corey, what about you? What do you think is um, the tenets of excellent customer experience? Yeah, I mean, trying to stick with three. I think the first, it starts with uh, time, respect of time, and um, you know, really uh, engaging with that interaction or what's taking place from a customer to a business organization, the, the respect of time and making uh, it effortless, right? So if it's an inquiry, if it's a problem, uh, engaging with that business very efficiently and effortlessly, right? So it's intuitive. And then ultimately the outcome of it being um, aligned with what was expected, right? So it's all, all about setting expectations and really properly delivering those in the end, even if it's sometimes not what the end customer wants. And I've had that with service providers uh, for me being a customer, but as long as you're clear some of the times more precisely of what is going to happen that may be different, people tend to be okay with those situations, even if it wasn't what they expected, as long as they're informed versus surprises. Right. And again, not the outcomes that they were hoping from the beginning of that engagement. So I think it just breaks down in those general terms. Uh, that's really what it's about, is, is really navigating that well and, and delivering really good business outcomes, products, services, information, and uh, putting a smile on their face at the end of it, right? And, and again, and you see that evolve in the customer experience because people are start designing for a deliberate experience. And that those are, you know, it, it probably in the 70s or in the 80s, I remember when my dad, did, he doesn't know about customer experience, but he, the way he deal with customers is there. Um, now, because... You say that like your dad's, he was more intuitive? Intuitive, just, because yeah. that's his business, right? Right. Where now, you know, you have, organization, big organization, how you bring that personalized experience to in the front of the consumers. And this where now you're seeing the trend and and this is where the technology can help allow you to build that personalized way of providing the experience. And that you need to be really able to design and understanding deliberately how you deliver that. And the technology can help that. And those are the things that start coming up. And you will see back i mean always we connect like oh yeah in the corner store they they know me they know my family they know me all of that where now with big organization i think that trend is going to bring that back. back in a way that could be even more into it and you can see the big brands they start building these things within their elements how they delivering the experiences right i think personalization is a huge huge thing and there's technology to enable that that is readily available um, your, you know, everything done through your phone and your apps get to know you. Mm -hmm. Kind of can be creepy a little bit sometimes. When you get that Instagram ad yeah. after you've been talking yes, about needing yes. new countertops I or something. <laughs> My fiance and I will be having a conversation about just that. Like, I don't know, what do you think? Should we get a new couch? And then all of a sudden Wayfair is like, ding. Persia might be thinking about a new couch. Check out this one. And we're one. like, okay, we're flushing all of our technology down the toilet. But on the other hand, there is a kind of seamless experience that can be created when it's done well. I was traveling into Indianapolis uh, to come here, and I was with a colleague, and I dropped him off at one of the hotels here in town. And I said, hey, next time you come into town, you should stay at this other hotel. It's just a couple miles away, and my experience there is always incredible. And he said, well, what's the difference? And I said, I don't have to talk to anybody. I, I, I check in on my phone and I've already done it. 
I, they know what time I'm going to be there and the room is always ready. They give me a digital key. I don't have to stop by. Everything is taken care of. I don't have to swipe a card. They already know all my information is in there. And I dropped him off and I'm headed to my hotel across town. And I get there and I notice that my digital key isn't on my phone yet. So I was like, Ugh, ah, that's ironic. So no problem. Everything should be fine. I go up to the desk. So already I have to talk to somebody, which I didn't want to do. And I say, hey, um, I don't have my digital key yet. And he goes, oh, let me type in some things. So he types, types, types. And then he goes, what's your name? And I was uh, like, again, ouch. Nathan Bennett. And he's like, oh, okay, type, 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 type. And he goes, oh, yeah, your room's not ready yet. And it was like 7 o'clock in the evening. And I said that I was going to be there at 3. Triple ding. Yeah, triple ding. And I was like, okay. And, I, I was, and it was so ironic because I was just, <laughs> you know, extolling the virtues of this experience. And I was like, oh, okay, that's weird. So he goes, so do you want me to put you in another, like, smaller room? And I was like, no, I'd rather have the one. I'm going to be here for a while, so I'd rather have the one that I've booked. Um, well, it's probably going to be an hour. So he had to call housekeeping. Housekeeping wasn't there. He had to get some other assistant manager to go up and clean my room for me. Um, I went up to another room just so that I could talk to my parents because it was like their anniversary. So I went up to another room so that I could have a conversation with them. And then finally, an hour later, my room is ready. And then that night, I get a notice from my bank. And they said, hey, um, you got charged twice by this hotel. So they had been doing so well in providing this really seamless, personalized experience. But somewhere along the line, something got Mixed and up. on that one, maybe I'll ask both of you, what happens when promises are broken? How do you regain that? How do you re-architect, right, your customer experience to address that, even in the sales cycle? I mean, for me, too, it's, right? it's um, you know, you have to begin by earning it back. And you have to, uh, you know, like in your situation, Nate, it would be interesting to know if that hotel did anything to kind of uh, <laughs> offset that very extreme negative experience where you had you had built up a positive uh, how did they, you know, offset that, give you something? Um, they did not do well. Yeah. See, so, so I got, yeah, well, first of all, I got on the phone with my bank and I said, hey, so just put that money, you know, back in my account. And they were like, yeah, that's going to take a couple days. And I said, why is that? It was an electronic transaction. Um, and they're like, yeah, just, I don't know. It's just going to take a couple days. And then that customer service rep told me, from my bank, she goes, yeah, well, when I travel, I usually take traveler's checks. And so I said, so you're you're telling me <laughs> that you're not going to give me my money back because I didn't make a mistake. It was this hotel's mistake, not mine. So number one, you can't give it back to me for another couple of days. Two, you're scolding me for not taking traveler's checks to Indiana. I'm sorry. <laughs> I realized I was going to go to McDonald's for my lunch and give them a... A traveler's check, check out, of my, out of my, you know, fanny pack or something. What am I? A oh, my God. That's a tourist. And then so then um, well, back in the so he's like, too, so, right? you know, so you should deal with the hotel. So went back to the hotel and I said, hey, this transaction is showing up here. So the guy looked at it in his uh, computer and he said, no, I only see the one transaction. I literally pulled up my like bank account and I said, see, two transactions. He was like, I don't know. So then I called their customer service and um finally got to somebody who could help me after, you know, asking to speak to the next person up. And that person said, well, what would you like us to do for you? 
And I said, well, I don't know. Give me, you know, give me a million dollars. Do you want to start there? Like, <laughs> why are you down. asking me how to how to service recover? You know, you should know. You should come at me and say, um, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you X amount of more of your more points. We're going to take three days off of your stay because you're, you know, a whatever silver or gold member, whatever I am. Of this, It's not like I stay with these people all the time. And they can see that. They can see so that. So you would want them to go, we value you. Here's how we're going to make this up to you. I would rather have had them come to me and say, this is our plan. We care about you. Instead, they were like, oh, what do you, what do you want? I don't know. This a is- bag of chips? What do you think I'm going to say? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's really it. It, it starts with uh, you know trying to win that trust back. That's kind of what we started this conversation talking about. Uh, customer experiences, you have to earn that trust, earn that relationship. And when things go sideways or a problem uh, or maybe even a promise, like we were saying, uh, doesn't come through uh, uh, being delivered, you have to start over again, right? And really win the trust back and in some ways make concessions or try to give something of value uh, back to the customer to uh, to accelerate that trust building uh, and that relationship again. So adding to that, taking your your experience, I think the recovery a quick, it seems to me the this hotel chain, I assume, um, they um, they forgot a fundamental piece of the value in the CX, empowerment. And that's where one of the things that I think uh, the people who are serving in the front line, they should be aware and empower them to be able to recover and proactively, actually. In fact, the minute that you have the first fraction of the, your mobile app, it, it did not get that digital. They should be able to proactively in, in have that, whatever in, in, in the back. Like an in internal trigger internal, or something. Uh, the processes, the, you know, the functions, whatever, the operating model, that the way it works, for that person, going to make the whatever the best gen- judgment to allow you to be because they know you. Well, yeah, if they, they would don't. have proactively notified Nate in the mobile app that the room exactly. wasn't going to be ready. He would have went to that exactly. really great exactly. restaurant that you were Absolutely, about. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, that that's true. So, the, the, yes, they have they de- they deliver an experience, but I think they they miss the opportunity. How you handle the experience when it's it goes like sideways or something that it, it create that gap or that fraction. Because sometimes, if you look at the, all the experience, a lot of people spend a lot of time trying to figure the, the the stakeholder experience, but they forget about what the options, what are the fractions that happen. Because you know the experience is not just one line, and the more you are understand that, and that that's where you need to design it to, in a way to reflect that, be dynamic, empower the people that they can serve. And end of the day, I mean, I feel sorry for the person who's in the front, but the brand is impacting. And that's something that I think more and more you will see. And again, that's why we say about the, it's an evolution and the customer experience, you will see more and more the brands and gonna take notes of that to building um, within their processes and with their uh, training and uh, figure out what the right person in that and to empower it and do the, to, do, yeah, to deliver on that. I want to keep on this conversation of empowerment, but let's take a quick break and we'll come back with our conversation with Musa and Corey. Hello there. Josh Reed here, producer of Take a Moment. And as Nate and Mari said, it's CX Day followed by Customer Appreciation Week. 
Genesis is the one brand that brings cloud, AI, and digital together to personalize customer and employee journeys for better experiences and lead the technology revolution that puts customers and service reps in control. We live the CX life 24-7, 365. For additional information, be sure to check out the resources below. And thanks again for listening to this episode of Take a Moment. Welcome back. We are joined today by Corey Bischoff and Musa Hanhan. You know, we talked a lot about the need to personalize that experience. Nate had a great horror story. I know. I'm still <laughs> I'm having flashbacks of the horror of it all. Yes. And one of the things, and this comes from Japanese culture, and we, call, we have this concept called omotenashi, which is you know your customers so well that you anticipate what they're going to need next. Um, one of the great uh, examples that we have is any sort of um, service industry in Japan. Say you go to a hotel, they already know that you're coming. <laughs> and then they already anticipate that, you know what, you might need all these different toiletries or whatever might might be. So before you even ask, they actually provide it to you, right? So in this digital age, as we're saying, we're personalizing the experience. We have to know our customers. How important is it for now our ability to use technology to anticipate those moments. Now, now you are going from just meeting those experience expectations to now maybe you're shifting consumer customer behaviors. Yep. I mean, the, I, the, always I bring the example of uh, my barista. They know me because I go, you know, on a Friday I work from the co- coffee shop. That's what, uh, So they know me. And they know that I get my espresso in the morning when they see me. And they know me in the evening, I get my coffee, uh, my my tea, I should say. Um, so that experience, knowing the customer, knowing when they need this or when they need that, I, I think is, is going to be built in. And the beauty about that, and not to get into the other side of technology, which is the dark side, we, we can't <laughs> talk about that, but knowing the, the person in a way that they can be served and anticipate what they're expecting. I think that's something that um, one of the things, uh, the beauty about AI and the data that allow design experiences is not just about delivering the experience, but we anticipate that experience. And I think there are a big brands out there. They are start building that and they are showing um, that. Um, not in a creepy way, because now the brand used to blast advertisement, where now a more... And we're going to see it is not about Facebook or whatever that, you know, I'm not going to go on that discussion, but it's really around building the relationship. It's almost a personalized relationship with the brand that allow you to say, all right, this brand, I can open up these information or personalize that allow them to see that versus other brands, maybe not. And I, we're going to see that in healthcare. We're going to see that in the consumer and the retailer, because these are going to be built in that allow that deliver personalization and anticipation. I'm probably in my coffee shop. I am okay. I'm, you know, they know my 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 personal story, my my personal information. So I'm okay to open up and let them do that. But maybe other brand, I'm, I'm not gonna be allow them to do that. So those are things that's coming up, and those are beauty about how to design experiences to different a group of 
citizen to group of people or consumers that allow that to still be dynamic. I think one of the things that a lot of brands don't recognize is that there are some companies that do it right. Mm-hmm. And when you do receive that personalized customer experience that is intuitive, um, anticipatory of your needs, you that stands out. So when you don't get it, that stands out. When it's like when the absence of that thing is there yeah, uh, or that thing that used to be there is gone, it really, really, really stands out. And back to what uh, Corey was talking earlier about trust, earning the trust, and that's a huge, because sometimes brands take things for granted for their customer and their consumers. I think more and more the power of customer experience, it's it, at the consumer and the customer's hands, and that's it's going to play, the day, change the way the business. And I think that's where uh, some brands already take notes. And some probably they need to figure out how they're going to deliver. Because end of the day, um, in the next decade, it you are selling experiences. You're not selling product. You're not selling services. There are things that are now just table stakes, exactly. which used to be differentiators, right? Exactly. Like the fanciest widget back in the day was a differentiator, but now it's table stakes. Yeah. So where do you make that differentiator? I was uh, thinking back to my days as a manager of a number of different uh, stores of a of a very popular and ubiquitous coffee chain uh, back in the day, and I remember trying to teach and coach on customer experience, and it can be difficult. Um, but anticipation was one of those things that we really, really tried to do well. And one of the stores that I was in charge of was on uh, the southern tip of Manhattan, and the front of the store was all glass. So we could see our customers coming in. And we got to the point where we knew orders so well that when we saw, you know, our Musa coming in, we would know, okay, we we wouldn't even need to take his order. We would just write his name and his order on the cup and we would put it in the queue so that that experience was created for him. And, you know, the, the, the only thing after that was, hey, Musa, we have your espresso already ready for you. Would you like anything to eat today? Would you like any breakfast? Yeah. Or whatever. If, you know, um, but it is it's really, really difficult to get that mindset into your employees. And I think that principle of empowerment, if more brands were empowering their uh, customer facing employees to be able to make decisions in the best interests of their customers, they'd be a lot better off. So, you know, one of the things when you're talking about brand, I think it's really interesting because brand is part of what I do here. We think and we, we spend a lot of money on or businesses, I should say, spend a lot of money on awareness campaigns and uh, social media and commercials and things like that to try and create their brand. But the problem is, is that what really creates the brand is the experience that the customer has interacting with that brand. So I see there's uh, my cable provider has a lot of commercials on television and that are all like sort of touting their power and their their speed and their great customer service. And whenever those commercials come on, my fiance and I turn to each other. We go, <laughs> that is just not true because it's one of the worst, weakest Internet connections ever. It always goes out for no reason. And... Um, my experiences in dealing with their customer service reps have just been really, really, really awful. So 
they've spent all this money trying to tell me what my experience is, but I know better. So if they would have maybe directed some more of those funds into training and empowering their team, they'd probably be a lot better off. Sure. Because that's what makes the brand experience. So one of the things that you just hit the a point that I think also a lot of brands, they think about it. I don't know if they think about it or not, but they spend a lot of time these campaigns and setting some expectations that the other departments or other stages of the customer experience are not ready. And I think that's one of the things that when you see the brands that delivering, they look at it from end to end, from the, the brand awareness to the you know, the buying delivery. experience to the delivery to the the way you are consuming or using to say, all right, I need again, I need buy more. So that you require looking at it from end to end. The traditional businesses, you know, because you have the silos, people like in the front, maybe marketing or brand department are more focused on this. Maybe they don't talk to other, the delivery or the sales, or they don't talk to the other departments, and you can see those fractions and the, these silos where customer experience, when you look at it, you want to bridge these silos, these stages that allow to see, again, back to when you, you asked me earlier how the good experience, it, it is, there's no experience because it's there. The experience is in there. You can feel it. It's sort of assumed. It's assumed and is there. So those are things that I think um, where we are seeing the, the, the opportunities now with the technology, with the process, with the empowerment that allow these connecting, um, all of that. But it is not easy. There's, it's hard and hard work and require diligently in terms of how you build these blocks that allow this connecting. End of the day, the frontline responsible right. and they need to be empowered on that. Yeah, maybe just to expand on that, I mean, we've been talking about enabling and empowering the front lines and the you know the people representing the brand, delivering uh, you know the business and the service. Um, you know, I think just of some real examples and uh, back to uh, time, convenience, and uh, effortless uh, you know experiences is that uh, two really quick ones are pharmaceutical. You know, your prescriptions, right? You get a text when you've got a prescription that's up for you know renewal or not renewal, but uh, to refill. And in some cases, you know, my doctor, if that uh, prescription has run its course of, uh, you know, refills, do you want us to contact the doctor and go ahead and get that uh, script, you know, sent back over? So very convenient, time effortless via text, you know, just yes, no. Uh, and then I think of just my, my car, right, uh, the dealership. Because of data, they know a lot about me. They know about my car, what's going on with it. I got the mobile app and, you know, it's recording up into the cloud and they know when it's time to come in for a service, uh, you know, update. Uh, so many miles, tire change. So they proactively reach out to me to get that scheduled because they know the car's you know coming into that window. Let's go ahead and get a hold of Corey and get that scheduled so that it works for his time. And that way, uh, you know, we can get that service repair done, tires change or whatever, and get him back out on the road. And I don't have to remind myself and think about that and then forget too long or the brakes need to be changed and then they're squeaking one day and then, you know, you have an accident. Those are the types of things that kind of go away with just this information age uh, businesses having this information, acting on it proactively and providing a better experience. Personalization, Personalization. and anticipation. Exactly. It's kind of what we're getting at the core yes. of this customer experience. Yeah. yeah. Should we play a game? Uh, we're, we're running out of time with these two amazing gentlemen. But it's really fun. It's a fun game. If you promise it's fun. Well, <laughs> we'll have fun. I don't know if you'll have fun. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. We're going to play a little game called Would You Rather. 
it's a very scientific behavior. Yeah, this is a hard-hitting you know, questions. Yes, hard-hitting yeah. questions. This is Pulitzer Prize-winning stuff. So here's my first question to you both. Would you rather travel the world for a year on a shoestring budget, or would you rather stay in one foreign country for a year and live in luxury? I'll take the uh, option number two or door number two. Uh, live in a uh, foreign country and live in a life of luxury for a year. Just feel like one that's better living, right? But right. Uh, get to be a part of uh, that uh, culture and the people and whatnot. Versus what country just, would you choose? Uh, so I've been to a few uh, in Europe that uh, I'm really fond of. Uh, I, I like Germany a lot. Yeah, so I Germany think is uh, great. Munich is, is definitely one that I really like. And then um, I also like Barcelona very much in Spain. Just to like the, the city, both the old and the new, modern, you know, very eclectic rich with history so those would be two of my picks Musa, that, what about you the, i mean the question is like all right um i want to combine both you can't do that you cannot, it do cannot. That. it's an There's either no or scene. you can't uh, have your cake but in the experience world i can maybe take <laughs> oh he's gonna because <laughs> you're twisting so this. when on one hand um is that one year uh, okay lecture on you know one year would be nice because then you really get into understanding the country and the culture. You mean staying in one place for you? Exactly, place for you. which is that's really the ultimate to understand you know people. But on the other hand, which is my third option, I was going to oh, say well, there's, that, three options, oh, there's three options. Is that I'll go with the budget and see the world because that one of the things I love to is just to you know diff, uh, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of list on my uh, travel list that I need to go and hit. And yes, I can go on the cheap. It's not and have you new go experiences. On the Would you just backpack it and stay exactly. in hostels? Uh, maybe a little bit more on that. A oh, bit okay, <laughs> but, uh, all right. Again, I'm I'm How redesigning now. You ask, about? you ask, uh, you know, I, what are other? And I say oh, the third option. Maybe I take the budget of the luxury and then take that and then spend it. <laughs> See, <laughs> See, I think someone needs to explain the rules. Bob. <laughs> we can't <laughs> break the rules. <laughs> yeah, we can't break the rules. <laughs> I'm gonna be interested to see how he rearchitects this next question of would you rather all right, all right. <laughs> and Give it's it one shot. that's favorite of ours that we like to ask okay would you rather fight 100 duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck i'm imagining that in my head right now yeah it's, it's terrifying yes. yeah <laughs> so i think i'll just jump in uh i'll go with option two again <laughs> okay <laughs> one very large horse-sized duck if uh that was that's what i imagine in my head all right more yes. Mark yes, said. Yes. that way i can run away uh from it versus a hundred of them coming at me from everywhere mm-hmm. right so that way i mm-hmm. win the fight over a longer period of time right that's second i i i, I was second for that yeah second I, I think that's the option where you're like all right you want to you figure out how to get out of that circle yeah yeah Gentlemen, thank you so much again for taking a moment with us. We really, really appreciate your time. Thank Thank you you. both as well. Enjoyed it. Yeah. Thank you.